Welcome to ReachMD, the following program. Managing spondyloarthritis, the role of primary care physicians, is developed and sponsored by AbbVie. This activity is intended for United States and Puerto Rico healthcare professionals only. The U.S. Medical Affairs Department of AbbVie Incorporated is the sole author and copyright owner of this presentation and has paid ReachMD to host this presentation. AbbVie is solely responsible for all written and oral content within this presentation. Copyright 2019, AbbVie Incorporated. All rights reserved. The following speaker, Dr. Sergio Schwartzman, has received compensation from the U.S. Medical Affairs Department of AbbVie Incorporated to prepare and present the following information and is speaking on behalf of AbbVie. Here's your host, Dr. Caudill. It should come as no surprise that most patients with back pain often consult their primary care doctor first, with the hopes that the pain will simply go away with a quick fix. But what about when their chronic back pain is the sign of something more serious? As their primary care physician, what do you do then? This is ReachMD and I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill. And joining me to discuss the role of primary care physicians in managing spondyloarthritis is rheumatologist Dr. Sergio Schwartzman. Associate Professor of Clinical Medicine at Weill Cornell Medical College and Associate Attending Physician at New York Presbyterian Hospital and Hospital for Special Surgery. And Dr. Schwartzman, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Dr. Carl. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, to start us off, Dr. Schwartzman, can you specify for us what the term spondyloarthritis or SPA encompasses? Because clearly, we're talking about more than just one condition. Spondyloarthritis represents a family of related inflammatory conditions that share common clinical, genetic, and pathophysiologic features. The spondyloarthritides are a complicated group of diseases which can have individual or polyorgan involvement. While they are frequently first identified by primary care physicians, they are not always identified as systemic polyorgan diseases. Spondyloarthritis entities are often grouped by whether there is a preponderance of axial disease, that is the spine, mm -hmm. or peripheral manifestations, which is arthritis and tendonitis. Yeah, that's really helpful. You know, now in primary care, there's often some confusion when diagnosing the most common types of spondyloarthritis because there is overlap among the signs and symptoms. So let's consider ankylosing spondylitis and psoriatic arthritis, for instance. How are the features of these two conditions similar, and also how are they different? The two most common forms of spondyloarthritis are indeed psoriatic arthritis mm -hmm. and ankylosing spondylitis. Both of these conditions are not uniform in their presentation. There is an overlap between them. Mm -hmm. The predominant site for musculoskeletal involvement, however, in ankylosing spondylitis is the spine, mm -hmm. whereas in psoriatic arthritis, Although the spine can be involved, the most common site of involvement is the peripheral joints and the tendons. And clearly, most patients, but not all patients with psoriatic arthritis, have psoriasis. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, in a cohort of 402 consecutive cases diagnosed with either ankylosing spondylitis or psoriatic arthritis, 24% fulfilled classification criteria for both conditions, again, supporting this concept of overlap. This study demonstrates that many patients diagnosed with PSA can also have axial involvement. Mm -hmm. 
Additionally, these conditions evolve over time and can be symptomatic prior to development of changes that can be detected on x-rays. Other imaging modalities are now being utilized as well. Joint inflammation is one of the key features of the spondyloarthritis, but the associated pain can be misattributable to mechanical stress. Inflammatory back pain can be an important clue to identifying axial spondyloarthritis. And the eye pain criteria were developed to help clinicians differentiate inflammatory from mechanical back pain. Clinicians should consider the possibility of inflammatory arthritis in other patient presentations as well. For example, warm, red, swollen joints, enthesitis or dactylitis can be clues that a patient's joint pain is inflammatory in nature and may suggest a form of peripheral arthritis such as psoriatic arthritis. Joint pain and swelling as well as morning stiffness are key features of psoriatic arthritis and there may also be the classic skin findings but atypical or uncommon skin findings such as nail changes or scalp or genital lesions as well. It's helpful as you go through those symptoms, it's a good reminder for us. You know, moving on, you know, given that back pain is one of the most common presentations in primary care, it's not surprising that most patients with a spondyloarthritis condition, such as ankylosing spondylitis, receive a diagnosis outside of rheumatology practices. But what kind of delay does this create in referral to a rheumatologist, and what are the consequences of this? For both ankylosing spondylitis and psoriatic arthritis, there is a delay in diagnosis, which can be lengthy and is quite challenging. The predominant reason for this delay, as we alluded to earlier, is that physicians who first see these patients, such as primary care physicians, dermatologists, physiatrists, orthopedists, podiatrists, and chiropractors, often assume that these patients have mechanical type of back pain, wear and tear, and don't recognize that there is this very important inflammatory component that is indicative of axial spondyloarthritis. They also may not tie together the concept of peripheral joint pain with axial disease. Interestingly, in a Danish cohort study, um, it demonstrated that these long delays between symptom onset and appropriate diagnosis and treatment was quite lengthy in psoriatic arthritis as long as 41 months and in ankylosing spondylitis twice that long, 88 months. This delay may have real impact on patients both in terms of pain and quality of life and importantly uh, may delay treatment. We know that particularly in psoriatic arthritis better outcomes are associated with early treatment. Patients with early-stage ankylosing spondylitis are estimated to have at least the same level of disease activity and pain as patients in the later stages of this disease. In another interesting study, uh, in patients with PSA, even a six-month delay from symptom onset to the first visit to the rheumatologist contributed to the development of peripheral joint erosions. And we know that there is an association 
between erosions and functional impairment, including disability, and that's been demonstrated as well. So can you tell us more about why diagnostic delay is so important and what's really driving this? As we discussed previously, patients with back pain are often seen by physicians who are not well educated in differentiating inflammatory back pain from mechanical back pain. Interestingly though, most initial ankylosing spondylitis diagnoses are not made by rheumatologists. U.S. primary care guidelines do not explicitly specify referral to a rheumatologist in cases of suspected ankylosing spondylitis. In psoriatic arthritis, erosive disease occurs early and may even be present at the time of diagnosis. It does progress rapidly and is associated with disability. Remember, in PSA, even a, sh a shorter delay of six months from symptom onset to the first visit to the rheumatologist can result in the development of erosions and consequent functional impairment. In ankylosing spondylitis, the rate of structural progression is variable and may be very slow or more rapid. Functional disability may be observed early in the disease course. However, as indicated by data from the Desiree cohort, there is a suggestion of the importance of early diagnosis and the implementation of treatment early in the disease process. So aside from back pain in axial spondyloarthritis and peripheral arthritis and psoriatic arthritis and other forms of peripheral spondyloarthritis, are there other manifestations of spondyloarthritis that can tip off the primary care provider that we're really dealing with more than degenerative arthritis and that maybe we should be thinking about referring these patients? Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, there are a number of other potential manifestations. The first, and these are frequently ignored, are systemic symptoms, fatigue, low-grade fever, even weight loss. And then there are the extra-articular manifestations. These are much more common in spondyloarthritis, and they can be concomitant. Uh, they're related and can be seen as single entities, or there are patients who can have more than these. They include inflammatory bowel disease, psoriasis, and uveitis. Spondyloarthritis should be considered in patients with arthritis who present with these conditions, particularly if they have joint pain. You know, and since there's a variety of extra-articular manifestations associated with this family of conditions, what does a multidisciplinary approach to spondyloarthritis look like, particularly for primary care physicians and rheumatologists? So the management of spondyloarthritis and the extra-articular manifestations requires really co-management by a team of specialists, with really a quarterback probably being the primary care physician. Um, there are recommendations from several scientific societies and task forces that stress the importance of this multidisciplinary approach. Every member of the co-management team um, has a specific role based on their subspecialty that can contribute in important ways to the patient care. Multidisciplinary and multi-specialty assessment and management will be the most beneficial for individual patients. 
Primary care providers would be responsible for leading the team and monitoring for new health issues. Um, they can help contribute to the management of common comorbidities and referral to other subspecialists as needed. Whereas the rheumatologist would be responsible for confirming the diagnosis, for deciding on therapy, and monitoring the spondyloarthritis. They would also assess for extra articular manifestations and working with the primary care physician, refer to other subspecialists as needed. Excellent. You know, before we wrap up, let's look at a patient case study so that our viewers can get an idea of what collaborative management of spondyloarthritis could look like. So let's talk through the case of my patient, Maria. Now, Maria is a 33-year-old female presenting with pain in her lower back. The pain had a rapid onset and began after non-strenuous activity, and it didn't improve over time. This was about three or four months. It's been worse while sleeping and in the morning, and she's been self-medicating with over-the-counter NSAIDs, which do not relieve her pain. She has a family history of Crohn's disease and severe arthritis, but no personal history of arthritis or infectious diarrhea. She had a previous episode of resolved uveitis, however. It was treated with corticosteroid drops, and she is able to walk and perform straight leg raises. On physical exam, her lumbar flexion, reflexes, and muscle strength are normal. She has no neurological abnormalities. Her skin, scalp, nails, and peripheral joints are normal as well. So with that information, what should a primary care physician be on the lookout for in a case like this? For a patient like Maria, I would suggest that primary care physicians keep in mind the eye pain criteria we briefly discussed earlier. Patients with spinal arthritis typically meet at least four out of five criteria. Eye is for insidious onset. She reported sudden onset, and this would be atypical, but nonetheless something that we can see in patients with spondyloarthritis. P is for pain at night. Her pain is worse while sleeping and on waking. A is for age of onset, and this for the eye pain criteria is less than 40 years. She is 33 years old. I is for improvement with exercise. Her pain decreases as she moves around during the day. And N is for no improvement with rest. Again, her pain is worse while she is at rest. Importantly, the previous history of uveitis is another important clue. Uveitis frequently occurs in patients with spondyloarthritis. My recommendations at this point would be to refer Maria to a rheumatologist for diagnosis and treatment. As I mentioned earlier, referral to providers other than rheumatologists sometimes drives the long delay to spondyloarthritis patients receiving appropriate treatment. Well, you know, those are really great insights for primary care clinicians, both to incorporate into our everyday practice and to inform our collaboration with our rheumatology colleagues. You know, as we conclude today's conversation, are there any final thoughts on spondyloarthritis that you'd like to share? So I suppose that my important points to summarize would be the following. The first is that the spondyloarthritides are a group of diseases with axial and peripheral inflammatory arthritis that can have manifestations above and beyond the musculoskeletal system, that there's a frequent delay in identifying these conditions 
but once identified, it is important to establish a network of specialists to whom you can refer patients to and collaborate with. I absolutely agree with that. You know, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Schwartzman, for helping us better understand the complexities of spondyloarthritis. It was great speaking with you today. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our discussion today. This program was brought to you by AbbVie. If you missed any part of this discussion or to find others in the series, visit ReachMD.com SPA. This is ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.